Uh, greetings, friends. It's Monday, February 27th, and we've got uh, some Chapo coming at you. Uh, Felix is off today, so it's uh, me and Matt. But if you're not, joining us today for the entire episode is returning champion, Will Summer. Will, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Or welcome back to the show, I should say. But you're here today to discuss, we're talking about your new book, Trust the Plan, about everyone's favorite, um, I don't know, heuristic dream state that is now altering and uh, shaping our reality. We're talking QAnon on the show with Will Summer, and you just got a book out uh, covering your, your many years um, immersing yourself in, 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 in QAnon lore. And I guess what I want to begin with today, like, you know, t- taking a, like a sort of a, a, a wide angle, look at the, the widest possible lens for, for understanding this phenomenon now, like what, three, four, five years on now, is I was thinking about um, something my friend uh, Jacob Bacharach said on Twitter the other day in response to a New York Times article about the astonishing number of undocumented, um, like unparented, like, like migrant children who are being gang-pressed into working at slaughterhouses and factories. And his point was that like, QAnon is like it's sort of like in the same way like like a it's a blind man dis, uh, discussing an elephant version of describing the like actual like contours of exploitation and oppression, particularly of children in this country. But it's a narrative in which like Joe and Jane suburbia can cast themselves as the victim of this same uh, process, you know, the same process of immiseration, uh, evil, and uh, horror that like uh, the, the, that our brains have a hard time. Uh, computing or wrapping themselves or, or wrapping themselves around. So, Will, could you just begin there, talking about like how you view QAnon as like a, like as a sort of like a folk mythology that describes much of American culture? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right that it, a lot of the appeal is that there are these weird things out there in the world that are undeniably true, and I certainly don't want to be saying that you know the government is always nice or there's no conspiracies or Jeffrey Epstein's death wasn't suspicious and all this stuff. And I I think you're right that it. it it kind of these weird things in the world, people start looking for answers and that some of them are drawn to QAnon. Um, but on a broader level, it is also true that, uh, you know, the way society uh, is set up, it favors, uh, you know, powerful people to exploit vulnerable people. Uh, many of them children, uh, you know, certainly the, I, I've been at these events where someone will bring up the idea of labor trafficking or labor exploitation. And everyone's like, oh, who cares? You know, back to back to these kind of really intense, like like child grabbed off the street sort of stories. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it it both makes QAnon makes the victims of this more appealing. It makes them certainly uh, seem, you know, whiter. Uh, and uh, it, it also casts the QAnon believer in this kind of avenging uh, angel. I mean, they call themselves digital soldiers. It sort of gives them. Uh, the, this role in this, this um, not just like a global struggle, but a sort of like a heaven and hell level struggle. I mean, and like the detail that uh, Jacob was pointing out in this New York Times article is that one of the one of the jobs that, you know, the, the child labor that children are being uh, forced into doing if it's not like cleaning a slaughterhouse is literally making uh, frozen pizzas, I think, in like food factories. So like his point was that Pizzagate is real, but children are being kidnapped and forced to actually make the pizzas that people eat. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that's very fitting. Um, that's uh, yeah, I mean, it is you often with. With, we're talking to QAnon believers and they, they sort of point to something. They'll say, don't you think that's messed up? And I'll say, well, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's kind of the, the leap in logic to then 
Um, you know, like, for example, they look at at immigrant exploitation across the border and then they say, so as a result, these people are being trafficked so that, you know, Hillary Clinton can eat their adrenochrome, stuff like that. And so they kind of they, they have to jazz it up. Yeah, it's but it's boring. A- otherwise, it's just yeah. the depressing reality of living under a system that they are not in any way equipped to genuinely challenge. I mean, they accept and embrace capitalism as a concept. And as an organizing principle for a society, they can't really absorb the implications of that and what what it means in practice. But they have to acknowledge, if for no other reason than their own screaming psychic pain, uh, that, that things aren't good and things are messed up. So it has to become a a fantasy that uh, allows them to imagine themselves, yes, as as uh, god soldiers against you know satanic hordes. And it has to be sexual. It has <laughs> it has to have that sexual yeah. uh, uh, basis to it, or else why should I care? You know why 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 is it worth me uh, unsheathing my digital blade if it's not going to get me off? Because at the end of the day, online politics of all stripes is people choosing to entertain themselves. It's not like changing anything. I mean that would be nice, but it's really more about spending time that would otherwise be watching family feud or something. Uh, and also maybe make some friends at the, at the, at the rallies, you know, that's it. And if, if that's the motive, if it's going to be about enjoyment, then why wouldn't you choose the most luridly narratively uh, sexual and violent tapestry that you could weave? And you're not going to get jazzed up by looking at, you know, uh, tables full of lists of, uh, child exploitation in factories or something. What's the point of that? Yeah, I mean, you still want frozen pizza. Like a 12-year-old tw- <laughs> a tw- a uh, being kidnapped and forced to clean a slaughterhouse um, is, I don't know, yeah, you're, it's just, it's just, it doesn't have it, you know? But if you can, like I said, like the way QAnon has evolved into a kind of, like I think it's become a catch-all for like a 21st century like neo-sex panic. And like it's like I think it's very much led to this current situation of the demonization of like teachers, trans teenagers, trans people in general. But yeah, like like the 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 sexual like the sexualization of children and and child abuse is such a like a load bearing like like part of this whole mythology. But like you know. I, I could go into a couple of examples, but will I mean you, you? There are a lot. You made a lot of friends on the road studying this, but like it does seem to be like a lot of not a lot of, but I will say several prominent QAnon promoters have been recently arrested for uh, child pornography and the abuse of children. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one guy I've I've, I've covered a lot is this guy named Phil Godlewski, who is a um, I think a former assistant volleyball coach or something, and uh, sort of turned QAnon emperor. I mean, this is a guy who through his selling silver and stuff like this has just sort of emerged from nothing to be buying multi-million dollar houses for everyone in his family or you know his dad um but this is a guy who also as soon as you look briefly at his record um had you know a a corrupting a minor charge that he pleaded down on after as working as a teacher um or as a coach basically there was a teenage girl whose boyfriend had killed himself and then he kind of swooped in there um and was you know sleeping with her all across pennsylvania because he was a realtor had access to all these houses um, and then, you know, the, the, all of these kind of gruesome details that have come out now, of course, he claimed this is all sort of planted by the deep state to stitch him up. But, uh, you know, and, and his fans are really like, wow, Phil, they're really 
you know, the cabal is out to get you, man. There's a lot of evidence on this case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, oh. the, yeah. The, the, the more open and shut it is, the, the, the more dangerous I am to the deep state. They wouldn't put in the effort to frame me so well if I wasn't a threat to them. Well, it's a lot of these classic, you know, driving, you know, driving with the the, the front facing camera videos where he's like, oh, God, they, they got me again. <laughs> Manufactured some more evidence. But I don't know. I mean, I just think about this in terms of like the I guess like the, the libs of TikTok panic and like the woman who runs that account comes from the Chabad community, which is, you know, has a long history of uh, sexually abusing kids. I mean, this is not like made up. It's been a problem in this community for a while. So I just wonder, like, if you grow up like that and around things like that, or you come to, like, uh, I don't know, accept certain things as, like, just normal and natural, like, then you, then you think about what your political enemies might be doing with kids, and you're like, oh, well, then if, if this is what I know is happening among good people or, like, uh, people like me, then to extrapolate out what my uh, political opponents are doing is, like, then you can really let the... Uh, let the fantasy drive kick into kick into gear. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it, I think QAnon has provided um, the right, even for people who don't say like, you know, where we go when we go all or I love Q. It's helped normalize this idea of saying that your opponents are all pedophiles or that there's this larger kind of conspiracy theory of of grooming and, and trying to corrupt children. And so in that way, I think it's really sort of been integrated into the, into the rights larger ecosystem. And, you know, they, it's it, policies from Ron DeSantis, stuff like that. Well, let's let's uh, let's go back to the beginning, though, because like uh, it's in October 2017 is when someone uh, using the name Q uh, posts the, the first of their their many drops on 4chan. And uh, <laughs> the post itself, like the thing that kicked this all off was uh, the following. Hillary Clinton will be arrested between 745 a.m. and 830 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Monday, the Monday morning, October 30th. 2017 um if that's the first thing that's kicking this all off i mean like is, is that a, is i mean to use the parlance of q honors is this a clue here to what's going on here because hillary clinton's still at large <laughs> that's I mean, a hologram <laughs> right well matt you know i think that you might be a great q promoter because i haven't heard the hologram yet but the as you said i mean you know Okay, if a guy pops on and he says Hillary Clinton's going to be arrested by the end of the week, I think maybe let's see if he's right. You know, we'll see if she's arrested by the end of the week. And in that case, she wasn't. And instead, and in sort of a hint of where it was all headed, they decided, you know, she's wearing an ankle bracelet. And that's why her her pant leg is baggy uh, or that's a clone, um, all this kind of stuff. And so they really pretty quickly adapted to the idea uh, of, of sort of dealing with the cognitive dissonance by making up new things. Well, yeah, like if, you, if your first drop, if your first proof is something that is like very, very is stating something very clearly and is very and is falsifiable, either either she'll be arrested Monday morning or she won't. And by all accounts, it doesn't seem like she's been arrested. So like as Q evolved and as it caught on, I mean, like, do you, do you see in that a reason for why the drops began to began to get more and more cryptic and like Nostradamus like in that they were very open to interpretation uh, as to like uh, actual things happening in reality? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was just about to bring up that that from these very hard deadlines, it then gets to saying, you know, 
everyone get ready for D5 and people assume, oh, that's going to be December 5th or and then that comes in. Oh, I guess we were wrong about December 5th or it gets even vaguer than that. And they say, you know, watch the water. So every time it rains, QAnon people are saying, oh, damn, you know, they're trying to drown the pedophiles in the tunnels, stuff like that. And so you kind of you you broaden it that widely and, and people can get whatever they want out of it. You know, it can be if you're into yoga, it's about yoga or natural oils and, and all this kind of stuff. And you can sort of, um, you know, it's a sort of a choose your own adventure with, uh, you, you know, and it, it can lead you all the way to January 6th. Well, we, we can get there. But like, how, how, do, how did you get like on the QB to begin with? Because, you know, well, we've had you on the show a couple of times before covering like sort of the online right. But when did you first notice QAnon and start thinking about it as something that would like maybe worth covering as a curiosity, if not like a national phenomenon that it became? Sure. So, so I was covering... Um, I was just checking 4chan uh, for sort of things to, things to cover and, and seeing if anything was bubbling up. And um, I started to notice these threads in the fall of 2017 where they would have a big lion and it would say the calm before the storm. And I ignored it for a while and they kept doing it. Uh, and then I, QAnon people announced that there would be a march in D.C. In, in the summer, spring of 2018. And so I thought, I don't know, maybe like a dozen people are going to come to this. Um, and so I went and it was shortly after a Pizzagate rally I'd been to that. It, that sort of gave me a sense that things were popping off. I mean, there were these kids with shirts that said, I'm not pizza. So it's like, you know, John Podesta, don't eat me. Um, <laughs> and so you know, just imagine explaining that to your I like the idea of that. That's actually kind of giving uh, Podesta and the sickos a little bit of credit there. They're like, maybe they don't realize that they're eating children. <laughs> Maybe they just aren't. They're busy, pizza. you know. They got all these important jobs to do in DC, and they just are picking up something. Oh, oh, that's a kid. I'm sorry. If only it had been properly labeled. <laughs> so, so I went to this QAnon march shortly after that, and it was hundreds of people chanting, uh, you know, where we go, one we go all, and saying they were going to get the sickos out of the, out of office. And I thought, well, this is going to be the high water mark for this. I'll never hear of this again. And, you know, it, it only got bigger. Uh, and so, you know, at, at one point, a, a guy with a armored truck shut down a bridge near the Hoover Dam. Uh, and was, was sort of funny. like, yeah, well, yeah, he was saying, you know, Trump, you got to release the real report. Q said you would. And eventually he refused to talk to his lawyer. He said he would only talk to Laura Loomer and all this stuff. And that was that was really when I thought this is getting a little little out of hand. I want to you mentioned it briefly, but could we go back to uh, where we go one, we go all, which is like the QAnon tagline. How did a throwaway line from like a totally forgotten Ridley Scott sailboat movie starring Jeff Bridges? But there was only one way. We'll do it together. I can't climb to survive on his ship. I will challenge them and they will come together. Become a team. We go one, we go all. I remember, I got, I swear to God, I remember seeing this movie in the theater. And I thought it was great. And when I was a kid, I remember crying at the end of the movie. It's about a fucking like, it, it's about like the, these rich kids who go on like a sailboat trip and then they go into a hurricane or something and one of them dies. But I don't remember that line of that movie at all. Like how the fuck did this, did this line from this movie, like was this, is this movie popular among QAnon people? Like how did this get started? Well, so whoever runs Q is obsessed with movies and really weird movies. And, and so, like you say, I mean, movies that really are very forgettable. Uh, and so this this movie you mentioned, as you said, it's kind of like a kind of like a dead poet society vibe. You know, some bad yeah, kids exactly. are getting reformed. It really is like, you know, the when the substitute wheels in the TV, it, <laughs> yeah. it feels like that one of those movies. And so, as you said, I mean, they said a couple times in that movie where we go on, we go all. 
And then Q resurrects this and says, this is our slogan. And, you know, we're all in this together. Now, a funny thing is once people track it down to this movie and it looks a little ridiculous to be picking this movie up as your big your big rallying cry. They said, well, no, actually, it was that it said that on the that was the inscription on the bell on JFK's boat. It was just completely made up, you know, and, and they, they, insist, <laughs> they, they sort of retconned this uh, this much more noble backstory. What are some other movies that play big into the QAnon lore? Because, uh, yeah, uh, White Squall, the, <laughs> that's how bad that movie is. They, they, they let Ridley Scott direct a movie, <laughs> the title of which was White Squall. What a fucking terrible name for a movie. But I guess that, you know, a storm is a big part of it. But what, what are some other like lesser known films that have worked their way into the QAnon canon? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think about it. Definitely some of the more famous ones are, uh, I, I believe they're really into uh, The Wizard of Oz uh, right off the bat. Um, a couple others, uh, nothing super spring to mind. It, but this is the thing. It's these very forgettable 90s movies. It would be like um, they were into like the siege or something, you know, just the, these sort of random uh, action movies. The siege. That's the Denzel Washington one where terrorists blow up New York. And it's like uh, Edward Zwick directed Bruce Willis is like the, the, the torture general in that movie. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, these are the kind of it, it's that sort of movie. I mean, another one that they love is uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Because really? in that what? movie, it, oh, oh, <laughs> the they love it. Is it. The lizard people. The lizard, lizard people. Well, at one point, Hunter as Thompson, he gets uh, he gets a vial of adrenochrome. Where'd you get this? Never mind, it's absolutely pure. What kind of monster client have you hooked up with this time? Satanism freak. I think there's only one source for this stuff. The uh, adrenaline gland from a living human body. I know. The guy didn't have any cash to pay me. And 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 mm, the, right. the, the, That's the right. other guy says, you know, I got this. You can only get this from a pedophile. Yes, sir. They nailed this guy for child molesting. Christ, what could I say? Even a goddamn werewolf is entitled to legal counsel. And Hunter so, and, made that up for the novel *Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas*. Like he is the source of all this adrenochrome shit. He like, I mean, this guy's like famous for making like uh, the whole thing about Ed Muskie being on Ibogaine. Like he loved making <laughs> up fake drug stories, and I mean, he said as much about *Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas*. So I guess I never put two and two together that. Yeah, Hunter S. Thompson was the guy who invented the adrenochrome mythology. Exactly. And they, I mean, they cite that. And so now if you pull up that scene on YouTube, you know, it's all just, you know, cue, you know, the storm is coming in the comments. What do they, because um, I remember the, the, the adrenochrome scene in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and like Benicio del Toro turns into like a fucking demon and it's presented like the world's most powerful hallucinogen. It's just like a drug beyond all others. How do how do Q believers who actually believe adrenochrome is a real thing? I, I mean, like I, the, the the lurid detail about how you have to harvest it from like a suffering child's pineal gland is especially lurid. But what do they think that like adrenochrome does for the people who in, ingest it? Yeah, I mean, they think it, it 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 it's like the fountain of youth. You know, it keeps you alive forever. It keeps you looking young. Uh, and so, for example, when uh, you know these, but as you said, it can only be harvested through like true detective style rituals you know you can't just you know tap a kid and take it out and so they, they so for for example <laughs> just, just right their forehead just yeah. put all right tip him over and like and you so, can't just uh you can't just put them in front of an ipad and put on throw on blues clues or something they'll be they'll be loving that so you need you need the real shit 
Um, and so, you know, then this plays into these these other aspects of the lore. So when, you know, celebrities started getting COVID, they would say, um, oh, Tom Hanks, of course, he he came down number one. You know, they they the maybe they tainted the, the, the adrenochrome supply with COVID. Or when, you know, they had to do these when like Ellen was hosting her show from home, you know, she's looking a little haggard. She doesn't have a makeup artist. <laughs> they were saying, oh, she ran out of adrenochrome. You know, the supplies got disrupted. Well, well, uh, well did, had they? I don't know. I mean, obviously, the Clintons are very central to this. Have any of them seen Bill Clinton? <laughs> he looks like a walking corpse. Like, well, before supply, COVID, uh, well before COVID, he looked like death. The adrenochrome clearly not working on him. Yeah, that's a great point, Matt. I mean, that's a guy who who is looking rough, uh, you know, even, you know, just kind of for his age in general. And so you would think, you know, he's kind of, you know, king adrenochrome in the in the mythos. Um, I mean, back to the I, I love I love the detail about Ellen hosting her show from home. Like she she looks rough, you know. <laughs> Ellen is looking terrible. Uh, her adrenochrome <laughs> supply has been cut off. But I guess like the the Q obsession with um celebrities and the idea of like Hollywood clones or like you know Tom Hanks has been compromised to a permanent end. The fixation on celebrities is like I, I just always think that like that makes it like it's so perfect for the Trump era because Trump himself is a creation of like he's a media guy. He's a media bitch. He loves ga- gossing about celebs. And now there's this whole lore in which it's not just gossip about celebs. You're engaging in like the battle of Armageddon against celebrities. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, you're pitting celebrities against each other so that every time a celebrity dies, it's because they were really about to blow the lid on the cabal, or, you know. Avicii, uh, you know, Robin Williams were all murdered by the cabal, or maybe they fake their deaths and they're still alive. So you can kind of you you can have play with it like you like. Um, they have uh, you know they have whistleblowers. There was a guy, a bit player on Vanderpump Rules, who you know said that all these guys were big time pedos. And so you know, it, it, him it and is, Tom think, Sandoval briefly had a, a funk rock group together on that show called "Get Up Your Ass and Dance" or something. I think was the name of the song. I, I think it was. Uh, it, it, I will say, I've been watching the show for the first time, and suddenly I was like, "Oh, it's the QAnon guy." Uh, it's a uh, touch in public. Let's touch in public. And touch so- in- <laughs> okay. Um, and, and so yeah, I mean, you, you know, I I think you're making a good point here about the the way it lets you kind of valorizes America's uh, celebrity obsession. Whereas before, maybe you're feeling a little dirty reading us weekly, stuff like that. Um, but instead, and you, you know, you can also, there's kind of a masculine coding to this, which is now you're, you're, you're watching yeah. all these videos and looking for the clues and, you know, you're, you're, you're hunting, you're a digital soldier. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, like normally I'd just be like a movie obsessed weirdo reading the trades yeah. being like, you know, ooh, <laughs> Lionsgate to announce three picture deal with Harrison Ford or something like that. But no, now I am, like you said, I'm Russ Cole. I'm fucking connecting the dots. I'm fucking, yeah, this is, this is hard. This is hard boiled detective work I'm doing here. But, uh, yeah, well, I wanted to ask you like, uh, QAnon, it cropped up very shortly after the election of Donald Trump. And like, I'm wondering if like, do you have any thoughts or like, do you see QAnon as related in any way or like uh, a sort of a, the next iteration of like, for instance, what the Tea Party was in reaction to a Democratic administration? Because it, this, the odd thing here is I would expect QAnon to happen if Hillary Clinton became president, because there always does seem to be like at least starting with the Tea Party or like the moral majority before that, these kind of 
uh, slightly astroturfed, but like, you know, but, it, but in some sense, genuine, like conservative populist political movements that arise usually in, in response to a democratic president presidency. How do you view like, do you view this as connected to that? And what do you make of the fact that it took place during Trump's first term in office, as opposed to a reaction to a democratic president? Yeah, I mean, I- it is very weird, like, like you said. I mean, you would think that this would be the time to, uh, you know, w- when Trump won office, you know, they, they won, and so now it's time to celebrate. Uh, and there's no need for a real like backlash or or something that's going to paint uh, moderate Republicans as as villains in league with a cabal as well. Um, but I think with QAnon, it it emerges when Trump was sort of bogged down in things. The Mueller investigation was starting. Um, he had gotten the tax cuts done, which, you know, if you're a rich guy is great. But I think for the rank and file Trump believer, it didn't do a lot for them. Uh, and so it, it sort of emerges at the time where the sheen is coming off the Trump presidency. If you had really placed a lot of hope in it and suddenly you're thinking, well, geez, this guy, he hasn't built the wall. He hasn't done the, the kind of the big wins we wanted. So instead, this thing emerges that says, oh, man, it's so much harder for Trump than you realize. It may look like he's this feckless loser who can't get anything done. But in fact, uh, you know, you don't know about the cabal that he's secretly fighting. I mean, he that's what he's so busy with. Will, this sounds identical to like everything I heard from people who were like really into Obama over the two year to two <laughs> terms that he had in the White House. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, fair enough. Oh, you're a promoter of the, the Green Lantern theory, I think. was Yeah, the yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but way more boring. Not <laughs> yeah. interesting. Not no no cabals. No underground tunnels. No cannibals. No secret trials at Guantanamo. Just oh, don't worry. He's taking care of it uh, in a way that I can't specify. He's a, he's doing West Wing shit in the background. I mean, I think it, <laughs> what what was the first Q drop? Hillary Clinton has been arrested. What was one of Trump's main uh, slogans during the campaign? Lock her up. We're going to throw her in jail. Trump was not going to be like every other Republican and and his he wasn't like any other Republican. He wasn't a Republican like Trump was never a Republican. He did not emerge from the Republican Party. He was a celebrity who used the Republican Party as a vehicle for his own self-aggrandizement. And the people who came to him came to him through his celebrity. They were and what his celebrity told them is that things were going to be different. Like politics as they understood it was going to be over. And it was going to become this in much more intense spectacle of retribution and uh, satisfying redemptive violence. And then they didn't get that. They got tax cuts uh, and uh, gridlock and they needed some way to metabolize that. And then this guy, whoever the hell he was, pops up and says, Hillary Clinton's in prison, but she's going to be in jail. And it uh, it provided this new node. And it's, it didn't matter that it didn't happen. In fact, it's better that it didn't happen because then it provides you another another thing it provides you this trail of breadcrumbs to follow and a way to live in this world that is intolerable uh in a parallel imaginative world where everything is coming together and it has to be more lurid and more intense than anything that the obama bots had because the people coming to it are not coming to it from the point of view of traditional political subjects this is a new type of political subjectivity created by this fucking Game show host as president, like the degree to which that brought people into the political process who would otherwise have never been political can't be really overstated. And that's why QAnon has been this magnet for people who were not political, had no partisan preferences before this and were, you know, like weird, uh, crunchy uh, health nuts or yoga people or, or crystal people who didn't really have any politics because politics didn't speak to them because it was inert and dead. 
this is a, this is a live fantasy imagination world premised on the idea of being entertaining, of being fun to absorb, as opposed to the spinach uh, eating of traditional politics, which is why I got to ask. I'm sure Will has get this question on his list, but I really got to ask, where are the Q people now with Trump versus DeSantis? Oh, man. because DeSantis is the guy who's trying to turn the Trump phenomenon into bear politics, into a collection of policy proposals. And then he just gets to pre- represent them. Whereas Trump is still politics as, you know, explosive personal spectacle. Who, where, how are the Q people responding to that? Well, so far, I mean, I think they're they're still lining up behind uh, Trump. I mean, we've we started to see Trump lay the groundwork for DeSantis as a pedophile, right? Like he's yes, he had this picture of he had this picture of you know Trump uh, DeSantis with some high school kids when he was a teacher, and he, he that's weird. He, I'm sorry, that's a weird thing to do. That's oh, a weird, weird thing I mean, to watch to do to hang out with high school kids when you're their fucking teacher. And I mean, yeah, that like a party people are drinking um, and, and the, uh, you know, and, and Trump does the classic, you know, he's maybe not all the way there. He's not saying, you know, this guy's a pedo. He's saying, oh, no, not Ron. Could this be true? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, like, Matt, you, you bring up the example of like uh, Ron DeSantis trying to like um, create, take the Q phenomenon and bring it into the realm of policy. I think we're seeing an example of that today where he just announced that he was revoking Disney World's like special economic zone status in the greater Orlando area. So yeah, like we are now occupying Disney World. We're going in there. We're going to the Magic Kingdom. We're finding those mole children. We're going to get them out. We're going to find Walt Disney's head and all the mole children uh, who are, it was like all the mole children in the freezer along with Walt. But yeah, yeah, I mean, but yeah, so far, I mean, I, I think also I think the the kind of the, like the leaders of QAnon and I think these kind of MAGA Twitter people more broadly realize that if DeSantis is in charge, it's not going to be fun for them. It's going to be, you know, it, it, all these sort of random apparatchiks getting appointed to destroy universities, stuff like that. It's not going to be this kind of wily, wooly zoo where, um, you know, random people are getting White House press briefings to, you know, scream at, at uh, you know, officials, stuff like that. Um. Well, can we talk about the mole children for a second? Yes. Because the mole children, they, they, they come up quite a bit in, in your reporting. Could you just give us, like, uh, the executive summary? Like, what, what, who, what are the mole children, and how do they figure into the QAnon lore? Because I remember in the early days of COVID in New York City, like, the U.S. Navy sent one of their, like, hospital ships to like a dock in New York Harbor to like take over some of like the excess overflow of like there were not enough beds being available in New York City for all the sick people. And I remember reading like like a like a QAnon thing about like, oh, like this is all cover. The hospital ship is for the mole children. The mole children have been liberated and they've been taken to the hospital ship where they're receiving medical treatment and being debriefed. And I remember just thinking at that time, like just like I'm 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 out. Like reality is like no longer for me. I'm just watching <laughs> movies from now on. But uh, well, like, what are the who are the mole children? Where are they being kept? What, like, and what, what is up with all these tunnels? Yeah, we, we, well, we, the mole children, we got to free them. Is the is the bottom line? I mean, the the gist is these are supposed. You know, the human people say six hundred thousand kids go missing a year, which would be this enormous number. Well, where do they go? They end up in the tunnels. Is the thinking, and that's where they're getting drained for their adrenochrome. 
And, you know, they, they call them dumbs. They think they live in dumbs, which are a deep, deep underground. Uh, deep underground military base. That's one of my favorite pieces of conspiracy lore. And dumbs do exist, exactly. by the way. They def- and there are, there are tunnels connecting some of them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so you have these things where, you know, like I said, every time it rains, you know, maybe they're drowning out the tunnels. Uh, or every time there's an earthquake, it means, you know, the, the good guys are in a pitched battle in the tunnels. Um, and so, as, as you said, during COVID, the tunnel stuff got really big. Uh, they set up, uh, you know, hospitals in Central Park, and that was thought to be rescuing the mole children or the hospital ships as well. In fact, a guy in L.A., this train engineer, derailed a train near the hospital ship because he wanted to reveal the truth um, about what was going down. So, I mean, people really believe in the tunnels. I, the, the one thing I'd add about the tunnels is they have they believe they have maps of the tunnels. You know, it's, it's not just, you know, metaphorical. So there are all these shirts that say save the kids on the front. And I saw that and I thought, okay, it's kind of a crypto QAnon thing. And then on the back, it's just the map of the tunnel. So, I mean, it's much more explicit uh, about their QAnon beliefs. Um, we were talking a little bit about, like, uh, what policy would look like and the QAnon being um, a sort of response to, like, or, or um, an answer for why the wall hasn't been built yet, why Hillary Clinton hasn't been arrested yet, why Trump is mostly just governing, like, a regular Republican president. Well, I found... The most gut-wrenching parts of your book were for people were for were when you profiled people who for them QAnon was like was not something that they were looking to uh, explain a political reality or to like uh, establish achieve something concrete like building a wall on the U.S. Mexican border. It's the people who believe that um, when the the you know when this um, great awakening happens or when Trump finally takes over, they will get a cure for the cancer that's killing them. Or for like the autism that their child has, like they like I mean you 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 profile a number of people who uh, just basically are like weren't even treating their disease because they feel like oh, well the the storm's going to happen any day now and Trump will just release the cancer cure for the tumor that's killing me and these are people without health insurance too. Yeah, I mean this is as you said I think this is you know one of the one of the sadder parts and and also the one of the ones that really hits really hits about how how much of QAnon belief and conspiracy theories in general and is just di- driven by this economic desperation. And so, you know, I heard from a woman who, uh, you know, whose kid is, you know, mentally disabled and is getting bullied in school. This, you know, he can't get the right educational treatment, but, you know, the cabal is about to be defeated and they'll re- really secure for autism. Or as you said, a guy who had cancer, but, you know, was feeling pretty good about it and felt he didn't need treatment because soon this would all be resolved. Um, you know, there's there's this real like financial and medical aspect to QAnon that I think is often underplayed. They think that Trump would sign into law this bill that would sort of usher in a you know there's an Iraqi dinar aspect to it. All, all this free money stuff would it would come flowing in, and so you know if you rent a house, you'll own the house. And, and if sorry, you have student debt, debt be- was a big one of them. They thought student debt was going to be eliminated by Trump as well, or when, once the, you know the the prophecy is fulfilled. Exactly. Like all this, you know, in this utopian world where Barack Obama is in Guantanamo Bay and stuff, the good news is that, uh, you know, debt will be abolished and everyone will have all this free stuff. We'll have, uh, you know, med beds that will sort of like a tanning bed that will cure any ailment, stuff like this. Like the movie Elysium. (laughs) You and I people should get into that movie. Um, But yeah, like, I mean, like, I mean, when I'm reading your book, Will, like, I I was just struck by like how 
deeply spiritual and like metaphysical this yearning is to like really like to create like i don't know peace on earth harmony among all men the lion lay down with the lamb like war will end disease will end poverty and suffering will go away and i guess it's just the idea is like is it that like the 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 sicko demonic elites already avail themselves of all of this uh, great medicine and things and then like as soon as they're defeated like the cancer cure that they're all been taking advantage of it will now become i don't know <laughs> there's a cancer cure that exists and it's going to be in the public domain as soon as we can get rid of the uh, pharmaceutical lobby. Yeah, that, I mean, the idea really is that sort of everything bad in the world is, is due to this cabal. And if only, um, you know, we could keep Trump lo- in office long enough and, you know, really crack down on his opponents, then we would live in heaven. Uh, you know, the, one of the most popular QAnon promotional videos, which was uh, embraced by, among others, uh, Kurt Schilling. Uh, was, you know, imagine a world with no war. You know, it, it, this cabal is behind all the wars that have happened in thousands of years, all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it, the point about metaphysical yearning is right. This idea of, um, you know, politics is about more than, uh, you know, am I going to get a tax cut or or is my school district going to be better? But it's about, um, you know, if it's even about that at all. But, you know, it, it's about, you know, we can really achieve something, you know, on a utopian level. Um, uh, returning to like um, e- examples of people for whom belief in this has led to like truly dramatic and horrible things in their lives. Could you talk about uh, the story of this is the story of Cynthia Abkug and um, her belief that her child had been kidnapped? Yeah, this is this is a really crazy story. You know, there's kind of this true crime aspect to a couple of the chapters in the book. Uh, it So this is a woman who, again, lived on the margins of society in many ways. Uh, she had run into she had a couple kids and had run into trouble in Florida with they were getting suspicious that she was she had a Munchausen's by proxy situation where they suspected she was like dosing her her infant child with marijuana, all this stuff. So she moves to Colorado and eventually, you know, the authorities there aren't thrilled with her either. And they take her, you know, I think maybe three or four year old son away, put him in a foster home. And rather than, you know, it's a pretty dire situation, rather than maybe get a lawyer or try to improve her life, get some mental health treatment, if that was even possible, she fa- she becomes kind of a QAnon cause celeb. And they start saying, well, they, they kidnapped Cynthia's kid. And, you know, you know, this kid's going to Comet Ping Pong effectively. Uh, and, you know, we got to get him out of this foster home. And so they start raising money. They send a guy who is an, kind of a hazy background as an ex-sniper, possibly. You know, it's very unclear. He's got some guns. Um, and they start plotting an att- like an armed attack on the foster home. Uh, fortunately, her daughter tips off the police. But by the time they get there, they've kind of begun this um, this sort of country uh, countrywide odyssey uh, to escape the FBI, hanging out with really weird characters. They run into a JFK Jr. impersonator at one point. Then it kind of, you know, once the danger is gone from the story, it kind of becomes like a Coen Brothers sort of situation. <laughs> and uh, you had another anecdote about another 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 story you reported on about um, this is a guy who was promising to help people um, get their kids back from like I don't know some sort of cabal uh, engineered court. <laughs> ordered foster home or something like that and then he ended up getting murdered by one of the people that he was helping yeah this was another crazy one uh yeah she he's kind of part of this whole larger kidnapping movement and this is a guy who said you know trump has empowered me to create my own court system so you don't worry we'll get your kid back because you don't have to deal with family courts and so these women you know there are a lot of women all across the country doing this who would be sort of duped into this and they had these recruiters on facebook and they would send all this money uh, to this guy who was like a random guy in northern Florida. Um, and he ultimately he had sort of one of his acolytes uh, 
becomes convinced that he's working for the cabal because what other reason would there be that she couldn't get her kid back? Cause you know, he claims to have all the answers. And so then, you know, this, she hasn't been convicted yet, but essentially what happened is allegedly is that she went to see him and, you know, said, Hey pal, you know, where's my kid? Boom, boom, boom. And, and lit him up. Uh, and so he was ultimately murdered sort of by the, these delusions that he had fed. See, that's, see, that's <laughs> amateur hour right there. If you're going to, if you're going to get these people's hopes up like that, you got to have some sort of, plan like you uh hire a kid to come and say that they're their kid <laughs> and that they did like a uh, plastic surgery on them or changeling situation genetic mutations or something They'll, whatever you gotta have something <laughs> just draw draw a hand on your fucking uh fist like uh senior wences or something you don't just you don't just go like sorry because I don't think well, they'll I mean, take this, no for an answer. I mean, this guy was like, I mean, the, the dangers of like um, believing your own hype. I mean, like you said, well, uh, he invented his own legal system based on the uh, emoluments emoluments clause. Is that how you say that? Yeah, yeah, the it's emoluments clause. The emol- yeah, it called e clause, and he was just like. And had been laughed out of every court that he was in, but he was promising these people that like, oh, like I have the legal authority to return your child who's been taken away by the state to you. And then they believed it. And then when the court cases were you know, failing, this woman was like, well, obviously he's in on it and has kidnapped my child as well, brought a gun to his house and allegedly killed him with it. Yeah, exactly. I th- oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, no. I want to talk about like there's, there's a lot of great cute characters in this book, but I want to get now. I want to, I wanted to talk about my favorite, a guy that I learned about reading this book. I'd never heard of him before, but will, could you, could you hip our listeners to Austin Steinbart and his, like a guy who has come up with, I think like, I honestly, I have my, it's just a screenplay idea for me. Like he has a very interesting sci-fi concept that explains how he <laughs> is actually cute. Like he's claiming Q for himself, but he has a very interesting, like a sci-fi concept that I'd like to explore here. Yeah, so this is a guy who, in reality, was a, like an IT guy in uh, in his twenties in Arizona, and then in 2020 he emerges um, after getting laughed out of some previous QAnon vigilante groups. Um, he, he's a very, I would say, unnerving guy. Like he comes across as very slick, but in a very practiced way. And so he he emerges and with a YouTube video, and he says, "Hey, guess what? I'm Q." And his argument is that. He that the guy writing the Q messages is him 30 or 40 years in the future, and he's using a time machine, effectively a time time computer to send the messages back to present day Austin. And so he's going to be Q in the future. And so his followers call him baby Q. And so he claims that he has used these clues and, and other messages. So he said, let's say old Q in 2005 or 2009 said, hey, Austin, buy a ton of Bitcoin. So now Austin's a billionaire and they're going to use this to fund the Space Force and all this kind of stuff. Uh, this sounds like the uh, kind of like Frequency, that that film yeah. with uh, Jim Caviezel, <laughs> who honestly, if you got him on the right day, might believe this guy. Oh, well, I mean, we, we know Jim Caviezel's a QAnon guy. So, yeah, it wouldn't be too much further. Um, but like in, in the Steinbart story, like eventually the FBI comes and visits him and he's like, oh, finally, great fellow agents of the government. Uh, yes. Nice to meet you, Mulder and Scully. And like they... They uh, they begin to interrogate him, and then you describe it as like every defense lawyer's worst nightmare, where he's like, "Well, obviously, I traffic drugs across the Mexican border, duh," and like just started copying to all these crimes. But then, uh, curiously, the FBI didn't arrest him. Then <laughs> they literally you know, let him keep doing this shit because he he loved boasting about crimes because his point was he claimed to be an agent for the Defense Intelligence Agency, which you know, as far as we know, isn't true. But he was 
he would say he would kind of commit these crimes flagrantly to say, look, I'm untouchable. And so, for example, he went to this brain clinic and got like Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw is br- br- okay. Like that is that <laughs> like th- this is this story is when I was really really digging it. Like he is in a medical clinic taking photos of like the fucking uh, the Lincoln Tunnel sized holes in Terry Bradshaw's brain from CTE and then posting it on the internet. And he's like, look, I can do it. I'm with the Defense Intelligence Agency. Yeah, and he would say like, this is pretty messed up, right? That I'm doing this, but I can do it. And so... And, you is know, Terry Bradshaw say, sued this asshole? I mean, right. I mean, it, I, he did like 30 NFL players. So he he did that. He threatened to murder the Queen of Denmark. He said, oh, I, I <laughs> smuggle drugs. You know, we all know intel agencies smuggle drugs all the time. He said there was this guy who had actually in, re, in real life killed himself, set himself on fire, a prominent figure in Phoenix. And he said, oh, that was me. I murdered that guy. So he did like some real crimes, seemingly some fake ones. And the FBI comes to the door and he answers it with a desert eagle and and he says, yo, what's up? Uh, oh, I'm glad you avoid all the landmines I strew across my property. And so the FBI talks to him and he says, oh, yeah, I do this. I do that. Um, and then he they leave and they don't charge him for a while. And at, at this point, like you, like you will, my editor was like, I don't. Is there a missing paragraph here? How could they not charge him? And I said, I don't know. They just let him go. Well, maybe maybe yeah. he's actually a government <laughs> agent. Have you thought about that? Well, basically, I uh, thank you, Austin Steinbart, because I basically, uh, without even knowing it, I stole your whole idea of uh, uh, messages being sent from the future into the past for my understanding of how to watch movies. Movie Mindset, the <laughs> podcast, coming in April. No, uh, but um, I, I do like at the end of it, though, like eventually he is now... Um, he had he had violated uh, bail restrictions against drinking and smoking weed, and the police discovered a whizinator prosthetic penis in his house meant to cheat drug tests. So uh, he has been caught breaking. He's on pretrial release, and the judge has just ordered him held until his trial. So uh, I guess his security clearance in the future hasn't come through yet. But uh, that was a great story. Um, can we, well, okay, the one thing I'd add about that, Will, when I was hanging out with his followers, they said. You wrote about the Wizardator thing. That's fake news. That's not true. And I said, okay, well, what what is it? And they said, well, it was a kind of a cheaper brand of fake penis that we that oh, we okay. were using. Store brand Wizardator. <laughs> You're paying for branding. I'm not an idiot. I'm, uh, look, I paid for a regular flashlight. The Lisa Ann flashlight is an extra thirty dollars. It's all, but it's all just synthetic pussy to me. All right, well, and none of my other, my, the, my favorite Q character of a guy that I was already aware of before reading the book, you've been around him. Let's talk about the god, JFK Jr., a.k.a. Vincent Fuchsia. This yeah. like this guy, the Will, the thing that was insane to me from reading your book about this guy is apparently he has not made any money off of being the JFK Jr. guy for Q people. I mean, so he claims, I, and, and as far as I can tell, there isn't an, a sort of an obvious way he could have made money unless he's getting donations from someone. But as you said, I mean, this I hope is he got guy, laid at least. Well, I. I suspect he did because <laughs> having seen him having so, so you know, he gets, this a, lot, is a, he gets guy, a lot of attention from the yeah. fair sex at these Q&A. Yes, this is this is noted in the book are, are a lot of, you know, very lovely uh, middle aged women who uh, say, oh, my gosh, he's here. And they come up and uh, and I said to this one woman, I said, I mean, he doesn't look anything like JFK Jr. And she said, haven't you heard of Hollywood? Haven't you heard of Medea? You know, <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Well, I lost it. Well, I lost it when I read that part. When I read that, he's like, "Haven't you seen The Grinch and Medea?" So is the idea that is the idea that he, that JFK Jr. is going out in Medea like prosthetic makeup every time he yes. leaves the house, or or is yes. it that the original JFK Jr. was in prosthetic makeup? The idea so like, is that the, Vincent the, Fusca, yeah, he's wearing a fat suit. I mean, no, he's not a fat guy, but he's some not kind even of fat. Suit. Like, yes. <laughs> Haven't you seen the crumps? <laughs> you know? uh, but but he but what I find maddening about this guy is, I mean, this is a guy who really was sort of plucked because he was mega Trump supporter, was always behind Trump at these rallies. And people said, I think that's JFK Jr. So this is a guy who has stumbled into this and he knows what's going on. He wears George magazine shirts and stuff like this. But every time I run into him, he's a super nice guy, but he just won't. I'll say, so can we talk about why all these people are obsessed with you? And to say, oh, why don't we talk in an hour? Here's my number. And then he well, never well, that's comes what I thought back. was so cool about him is because like he has all these <laughs> women coming up to him being like, oh, my God, you're JFK Jr. And he never like he never agrees with them. He like he always yes. loves it unsaid. He just sort of nods, smiles and takes the photo with with these ladies who are like, you know, uh, going nuts for him. So like he. I mean, he knows what he's doing, but man, man, oh man, what a fucking niche that that guy's found for himself. Because, I mean, but going back to the thing, like the very first Q drop uh, didn't fucking happen. And it didn't happen like very quickly after it said it was. The most famous, like one of the most famous Q guys looks nothing like fucking JFK Jr. He looks nothing like him. Not even well, close. I mean, he, like he's like he's like a foot shorter than him too. Like what what is going on here? He soaks it up. I mean, there's one. There, I was at this one uh, one of these kind of pre January sixth events, and all these kind of this rabble of people were walking by, and he was just singing karaoke. He had a little speaker set up, and he was just like, "Look, uh, JFK Junior." He was he like singing to you. Oh, I can't remember. We didn't That'd start the fire. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, I mean, you talk about like covering these Q and on events and like uh, talking to Q believers or having people approach you, and like you know. Like most Americans, they're polite to a fault. You know, they're like they're they're not like they're they're not just coming up to you and talking to you about the mole children or all the Hollywood pedophiles they're going to execute if their plan ever succeeds. But like, how do you how do you how do you relate to like uh, the the true believers when you interview them when they when they approach you? Often they will think that like you're on their side because you're talking about QAnon. Like, what is your perception about like the, the not not the media celebrities and like the the YouTube internet people, but like the actual QAnon? believers when you just like try to interview them or or see them or they interact with you what's your read on them yeah i mean they're often very very nice i mean i think they you know they they tend to be um you know older and are often very at, at least the nice ones are the older ones sort of the, the ones in their 20s you have to watch out for because that's often someone the, who the is you know type. some kind of failed actor type or something like that but but the ones who are just like i'm just out to help the kids you know, at least to me, they're usually very nice, um, except when, you know, some of them have like tomahawks and stuff that are threatening to kill me. But but the I mean, in aggregate, they're nice and they're very vague. And they say, well, I got into QAnon because of the corruption. And then you say, well, what, what do you mean by the corruption? And they say, oh, it's the tunnels. You know, once you kind of poke them a little, you know, one woman I talked to is the opening of the book. This woman who was just extremely into QAnon is kind of just ranting about the tunnels on January 6th. And then I thought, well, you know, that was a pretty nice lady. And then, you know, when I was writing the book, I looked her up and, you know, she caught a charge for January 6th for just, you know, <laughs> dismantling barricades and all this. But in terms of, I mean, they're, they can be a very difficult group to deal with. Sometimes they're pretty nice. Um, when I, I was at a rally and I kind of wear a little, I wear a hat, some sunglasses, kind of look a little so no one really clocks me across the room. Um, but and one guy goes, Will Summer. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, and he just wanted a selfie. So sometimes, as you said, sometimes <laughs> they think I'm kind of their buddy, you know, and and, uh, and and working to spread the good word about QAnon. 
um, like, what was your like, what what is your take on the sort of like the demographic makeup of the average Q believer? Because you know, like, similar to Donald Trump, like, we're often told that like, you know, he is the voice of like working class America, and you know, like, I I. I I don't know how true that is. Like, I think that, you know, there's a lot of things you could divide up. I mean, like, it's certainly true that the Democratic Party is certainly becoming the party of rich people in this country. But what is it about, I mean, sort of back to my original question, what is it about QAnon that, like, uh, seems to resonate among people with, if not a blue-collar lifestyle, then at least a blue-collar aesthetic, kind of? Like, whether they're middle class, working class, I don't know, who knows anymore in America? But, like, you know, this is an anti-elite kind of populist ideology. And I'm wondering your read on the sort of like the the class and demographic makeup of Q believers. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's a great point. I think often um, the kind of the classic QAnon believer is someone at a Trump rally. So they're older, maybe evangelical Christian, white, pretty white. Um, And then, you know, during the pandemic, we started to see that change a lot. We started to see more uh, people of color, uh, more women, younger people get into it because they were they were seeing this um, this kind of save the children stuff there. It was spreading on it was yoga, Instagram and kind of wellness communities. Um, And so so the demo changed a little bit. But I think you're right that it is a lot of um, often working class people who, you know, I think conspiracy theories and QAnon in particular give people a sense of agency. And, you know, it's often people who rightly or wrongly feel marginalized in their lives. And, you know, instead you have someone who says, you know, hey, I'm going to give you the secret keys to the world. And you'll see that the the rich people you might envy are, in fact, uh, big time pedophiles and they're sickos. And, um, you know, one thing that struck me, there's so many uh, there's a lot of like failed Hollywood people in QAnon. And I think there's an appeal to saying, well, that guy who beat me, his screenplay got picked up. But that's he had to do some sicko stuff, uh, you know, at the Playboy Mansion or whatever. But I just I'm pure. And so, you know, success won't come to me. But, uh, you know, I'm right with God. And, you know, I at least I'm not drinking kids blood. <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of um, how it's evolved and where it's going, do you see QAnon as something that is like holistically, organically, just the natural evolution of all the insane shit that the right wing in this country believes for decades? Or or has it evolved into something different that has sort of broke containment from the conservative movement proper? Yeah, I think it's I think it's broken its containment. I mean I think the the idea of the clues uh, and this character Q was kind of a genius way to um, to fold in so many other conspiracy theories and to give people something to look forward to that they um that you know the storm is coming. That it's not just you're not researching some old conspiracy theory. That's that who cares? You know, ultimately whatever you find, um, and and yeah, I mean, I, I I think the idea of this kind of satanic cabal is is sort of denatured um, for you know for some legitimate reasons. Like Jeffrey Epstein has become sort of more popularized in, in the culture more broadly, um, and so you know I think yeah I I think it no longer are these conspiracy theories like stuff in the past like Jade Helm or Seth Rich that really sort of struggled to gain traction I think QAnon has uh, has taken off in a, in, a, in a much more effective way and in terms of it breaking containment or like what separates it from the traditional lore and you know b- boogeymen that make up right wing mythology and has for decades in this country like of a particularly like evangelical Christian or you know like just a right wing Republican frame of mind do you see like the, the evidence of it breaking containment in that like and I'm not saying that this is um i don't know legitimate or hard felt or whatever but like at least in its 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 lore and its propaganda that like q believers 
have begun to turn on the idea of capitalism or at least corporate capitalism and big corporations because they're now woke and gay and satanic. It doesn't, it's hard to imagine like, for instance, like uh, the Tea Party or Rush Limbaugh, like that era of like talk radio, Fox News, conservatism, uh, selecting for its like, you know, uh, demon of the week, corporate America. Yeah, to- totally. I mean, it, the uh, I was just thinking about this because because really sort of the big QAnon villain of the past year or so is the World Economic Forum and Davos and the guy who runs a Klaus Schwab and this idea that they're going to do the great reset on us and you know make us eat live in pods and eat bugs. And I think before when you when these groups were you know funded by the Koch brothers or or you had these kind of mega broadcasters doing it, they wouldn't just be sicking people on these massive corporations. Whereas now, who's directing QAnon? Like, uh, you know, Michael Flynn is is issuing stuff and really even further down, it's just a bunch of guys with Telegram channels. So those guys don't care. I mean, they're, they're happy to to paint nefarious corporations as the villains. What is up with Michael Flynn, by the way? Because hasn't oh, he man. like uh, d- hasn't he um, disowned QAnon uh, recently or say, like, don't even tell me about that. It's all made up. And I've always said this, said as much. He, he's a very bizarre figure and, and no fan of mine. He once announced that I was about to be booted from a QAnon convention because I was sitting there and and he starts going a bunch of sicko journalists snuck in here today. And I was looking around like, oh, someone's in trouble. You know, and, and, and they grabbed me. <laughs> um, and so, uh, but yeah, Flynn is a guy who I think looked at QAnon and said, you know, just getting in his head. I think he said, I got some legal bills to pay. And he's also a guy who loves conspiracy theories. And so he started, you know, appearing at these conventions and auctioning off, uh, you know, quilts with big Qs on them. And he got really into it. He filmed him, him and his family did the QAnon oath. And now suddenly that it's getting, I think the heat's on a little bit. He's saying, oh, you know, he's su- his family members are suing CNN for saying they took the oath. And what you refer to There's a video. Is, are they going to say that didn't it happen? <laughs> they say it's not a QAnon oath. It's a message of family solidarity. <laughs> it's, a, it's a message um, of but, fandom for the Ridley Scott film White Squall starring Jeff but, what, what you're referring to, Will, is the um, Lynn Wood, who's kind of another QAnon guy, secretly recorded Michael Flynn saying, oh, yeah, I think it's a CIA psyop. And then he later put out this recording. And so you have this situation where Michael Flynn, it's like, all right, you think it's a psyop, but one that I but one that I'm happy to participate in and presumably earn speakers fees and stuff like that. Uh Will, do you have uh, like in, in all your in, in your QAnon odyssey here and putting together this book and your research, do you have a favorite QAnon character or like piece of deep lore that even with something that didn't make the book, like do you just have a favorite piece like nugget or personality of, of from the Q universe? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, gosh, you hit so many. I mean, Austin Steinbart, Vincent Fusca, all timers. Um, I think this guy named this guy who always sticks with me is this guy named Patriot Street Fighter. And this is a guy <laughs> who he 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 drives a motorcycle. And so but but, you know, not not really. It's kind of it, he tows it between his convention stops. And, <laughs> and so he'll say he'll say, like, does anyone have a tow jack or like, can someone drive the truck? And, yeah, and so then, but then he, he rolls right. up and and, 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 and and but he wheels a tomahawk and his um. He he a bunch of people caught covid on his tour and he was just like, oh, it's got to be a bio attack, you know, Um, but 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 actually, if if I could just fit in one more favorite guy, because I I thought of another is this guy named uh, Wano Savin, who is another JFK Jr. impersonator and sort of a more malevolent one, I would say (laughs) he's a he you know, I mean, Vincent Fusca, he's kind of out there. No, he seems cool. He seems nice. Like I wouldn't I would love to meet Vincent Fusca. Exactly. I mean, he's a cool guy. I mean, I'd like to hang out with him more. But but this guy is his real name's Wayne Willett. He's like a 
a somewhat uh, controversial private investigator in Washington oh, state okay. uh, doing like, um, like, you know, is a guy's doing workers comp? Is he, is he mowing the lawn, filming people doing that stuff? And somehow he's become like Roseanne's QAnon guru. And he, he, he's super like, and Jim Caviezel, him and Jim Caviezel traveled across the country together. It's very bizarre. And he, um, but he organized this coalition of people to run for secretary of state across the country. And they, a bunch of like five or six of them got the Republican nomination in battleground States. Fortunately, they all lost. Um, but this was a guy who was like weirdly poised to become a power play in the Republican party. Uh, he was at, they were at this convention and he just not, they, um, Someone was like, uh, Juan O'Savin knocked on my door and he said, you know, we got to save America. And everyone was like, yeah. So a very sinister figure, I would say. Um, so I guess like uh, going, going to January 6th, right? Because like January 6th is fascinating to me and as it relates to QAnon because like the storm happened, right? Like the storm came to Washington. They, they did the thing that they were all fantasizing about. And once again, nothing happened. And like whether you go back from like the first fucking proof saying Hillary Clinton is going to get arrested to Donald Trump losing, whether you think it was stolen from him or whatever. But Joe Biden is in the White House right now, not Donald Trump. How do you view QAnon? Like, is it like you know, I know the QAnon candidates did not do so hot in this latest midterm election. Is this a is this a spent force politically or, or is this like a classic when prophecy failed situation in which like at, at like because there have been so many failures of Q's proofs to come true right and now like mm -hmm. donald trump is not president i mean maybe he's running for president again maybe the, the, the storm just continues like i mean like do you, like is this is this is this is this a force on the wane or is this just prophecy failing and mutating like every at every single point of failure mutating into something different and harder to like understand but ultimately like even more embedded into american culture yeah i mean i i think it's the latter i think um as you said, January 6th failing was it was a big setback for them. And really bigger than that was uh, was Biden's inauguration. I mean, I, I talked to people because Trump had to be in office to make the storm happen. I talked to QAnon believers who said, oh, you know, I'm going to throw up. I feel so sick. What have I done? Um, but I think as Trump returns to prominence and we start, uh, you know, if, if he runs, particularly if he wins the primary, I think either we could see QAnon in kind of classic form revived or we could see, but you know, I think what's going to happen no matter what is we're going to see this mutate into something else. Maybe it won't be called QAnon. Just as with Pizzagate, once the guy shot up the pizza parlor, people said, "Oh, we kind of can't call ourselves and well, Pizzagators I, I anymore." I had totally forgotten about that because, like, as he was being uh, walking out of Comet Ping Pong Ping Pong Pizza, he says, "My after failing to find the non-existent basement, he says my intelligence on this wasn't a hundred percent." Yes, yes, exactly. Sort of said, well, you know, I look a little silly right now. Uh, and so in that change, you know, there were lawsuits and, and people stopped calling it Pizzagate and then it reemerged as QAnon. So I think unless something really radical changes in a, the American psyche, I think we will see QAnon in some form continuing. And, uh, you know, I think enough people have bought into it that that it is really only going to continue to grow. I do think we're going to get some sort of some version of the storm eventually somewhere even if it's like just some state government like hauling a few people in front of a kangaroo court but at some point if they if people keep getting elected at the grassroots of, of uh and to these elected offices they're going to keep getting pushed up till eventually they're somewhere near a a lever of power and you know you just have to take as a as a constant d declining uh quality of life and uh and increased psychological torment and paranoia and if those 
if, if the trends continue, a <laughs> well, you know, you know, Matt, we're seeing in uh, in Utah already the the police investigated a sort of troublesome, comparatively liberal DA. They said he was being investigated for involvement in satanic rituals and all this stuff. So, I mean, we're already starting to see you know become actual prosecutions. And I mean, like uh, another another aspect of your book that I thought was fascinating is how much QAnon has spread to foreign countries. I'm talking like yeah. Germany, Japan, Australia, and this is a real like you don't even go here kind of moment. But like, what how <laughs> how is QAnon relevant to people in? I mean, look. It's it's not that hard to figure out because America is like the global superpower. Like we're you know like it's hard to uh, why are people in Germany being like oh well pst, pst, what the U.S. government does doesn't affect me. I mean we just blew up their fucking pipeline that keeps their houses warm in the winter. So it was not hard to like look at the demonology of American politics and adopt it for your own because like our demons really do affect the rest of the world. But like how, how do you view how do you view like the, the QAnon going international and like what what are they concerned about and is it the same shit that they're concerned about in QAnon America? Or is it like tailored to specific like the the politics of Germany or Australia or Japan? It's incredibly weird. I mean, you know, in Japan, for example, they have they, they've adopted all these things. And so there's two rival QAnon factions there that were called like, you know, Q Army Flynn and Q Army Anti Flynn or something. And but I mean, one, you know, this has inspired crimes. Uh, there was another, a QAnon kidnapping group in France uh, as well. But I mean, Germany, I think, is the most interesting one. And as you said, they do adapt these things. And so they say, you know, if there's like a tariff on farmers uh, to try to get them to use gas less, then this becomes part of the cabal's plan. In Germany, they think there's this kind of separate movement called the Reichsburger that thinks essentially that uh, like Otto von Bismarck's empire is is still in effect and that the the world they live in now is a is a fake one and sort of a fiction of the allies. So it's they're kind of like sovereign citizens. Um, and they've really latched on to QAnon. And it, people may remember a few months ago, there was this supposed coup attempt involving some police and soldiers. And those guys were and you may remember there was like a former like noble and he was really swagged out like he had some great suits. Um, and so that guy was a is a QAnon affiliated guy. <sighs> Yes, the, uh, the Otto von Bismarck's uh, Otto von Bismarck's empire never ended. And look, if look Germans, if you're if you're not satisfied, if you don't like fake Germany as like a legal and political construct, then I'm sorry, you shouldn't have done World War II. Yes, like the Allies did impose a fake Germany on you, but like you, you <laughs> yes. it got it got out of hand. Okay, like it, it proves that the natural state of Germany is two thousand tiny principalities. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's where yes. it should always. They never should have gotten. They should have gone back to that after honestly after World War One. That like Holy Roman Empire is back. You people can't handle statehood. We need like mischievous bishops and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, I guess like I think I just ask you this but real quick. What do you make of the whole Ron Watkins is Q thing? I know like the HBO QAnon documentary, like that was like uh, that was the reveal. That was the jinx like moment. How do you view the Watkins father, the father and son duo of the Watkins and like the claim that uh, the, the son, Ron, I believe, was Q this entire time or at least started out as Q. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't think it's been conclusively proven, but I think it's it's Ron and Jim Watkins are the sort of the most compelling arguments I've seen for who's Q. Uh, there's a lot of crackpot stuff out there saying, you know, it's all these, you know, it's Michael Flynn. It's all these nefarious characters. Um, but I think that documentary, honestly, like I I, I certainly wish I had found a, my own Q, uh, you know, that I, that I could put in the book. But but I think the the documentary pretty much nails it as to being those guys. Uh Unless unless something else comes to light. Uh, he had that, as you said, that jinx moment where he sort of says, 
well, that's why I've been doing all this with Q and everything. And then he yeah. says, well, do you mean you're, you're Q? Is that what you're saying? He says, oh, well, oh, you know, and, and you know, kind of dancing around it. Um, I, I met uh, Ron Watkins, the father, and very weird guy, obviously. Uh, and he was wearing all this kind of Q paraphernalia. And I said, so, like, you want to talk about QAnon? And he'd say, Oh, what's QAnon? What what are you talking about? So kind of kind of a maddening guy uh, like Vincent Fusca. Amazing. His his run for Congress was phenomenal. He he tried to run in Arizona and he did like one debate where he was a complete zero charisma creep that, that no one liked, and then he just kind of stopped campaigning. He I, I interviewed him and the campaign strategist who was trying to like turn him around. And so he said, oh, QAnon, I'm not associated with that. And the campaign guy said, oh, yeah, that's true. That's fake. And I said, well, you're, next week you're appearing at a QAnon event. Here's the logo. It's a giant Q. And the strategist starts going, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> um, Will, I, I still get you out of this. Um, you mentioned like the, the World Economic Forum being like uh, the new cast member for this season of QAnon. Like, where do, where do you see like where are their interests now? Like, as it evolves, like I mean, look, it's it, your bread and butter is going to be the mole children and the adrenochrome uh, satanic pedophiles, but like I mean, it, it, it's all under that umbrella. But like, where do you, do you see any new new plot lines emerging this year and certainly and then also next year certainly going into a presidential election? Yeah, I mean, I think it's right now it's really really is the woke capital angle. It's, um, you know, I, I think they're going to start digging into like who runs Vanguard, who runs BlackRock. And I'll tell you what, those guys better not have any weird art in their houses, because if they do, <laughs> I mean, that's going to kick this thing off. I mean, um, like, and, oh, and then, oh, I, I would hate it if the boardroom of uh, Black, BlackRock or Blackstone, <laughs> I would hate it if they had their lives turned upside down by these <laughs> lunatics. Uh, and then, you know, also, uh, I think they're really going to start going after anyone who runs against Trump in the primary. You you guys may have seen this Vivek Ramaswamy guy. Who oh, is yeah. Sort of sort of a promising to go to war against Mexico. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We got it. We got to do a Don Winslow. The he's going to get rid of all federal agencies and go to war with Mexico to stop fentanyl from coming into America. <laughs> and so this guy was a World Economic Forum young leader in 2021. And so everyone's <laughs> yeah, saying, okay. hey, buddy, you know, you're the anti-woke capital guy. And he's saying, oh, they made me do that. I told them not to, Ooh, you know, darn it, Klaus Schwab. So, it, it, it you know, I, I think the kind of pizzagating the QAnoning of these guys and Ron DeSantis, too, is really revving up. All right, we'll leave it there for today. Will Summer, thanks so much for joining us. The book is Trust the Plan, available in bookstores everywhere. And Will, if people would like more uh, Will Summer coverage, uh, which should they, where should they go? What should they do? Sure, yeah. So I'm writing for The Daily Beast. I'm on Twitter at Will Summer. And uh, I have a podcast covering similar topics uh, called uh, Fever Dreams. So yeah, th that's where people can find me. All right, once again, thank you to Will Summer for joining us. Uh, that does it uh, for today. Trust the Plan, where we go one, we go all. That's uh, I've been signing a couple books with that with the where we go what we go all. That's that's <laughs> only for true homies. Excellent. <laughs>